<laughs> it's going to be a good day. It is a good day. I'm going to teach on faith today. Just the subject of faith. Just let's try to figure it out what it is, why it's so important, and how it works in our life, and how we exercise it. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5, 7, that we walk by faith, not by sight. So it's learning to walk in that invisible realm, not the visible realm that we see with our five senses of our body, but it's looking in with our five senses of our spirit into the invisible, into the spiritual, uh, not walking by sight, but by faith. And so we'll take a dive into it. I love the subject. I've been studying it for a few weeks, and uh, I got more faith right now than I've ever had in my life. My faith is growing. My faith is stronger. Amen. So let's just take a look at it. It's, it's, the reason it's so important is because we're saved by faith. We are forgiven of our sins by faith. We're justified, made right with God by faith. We're made righteous by faith. I used to think all my life I, I had to really work hard to make myself righteous. The truth is it all came by faith. It comes by faith. We're delivered by faith. We're healed by faith. Our lights went out. I kind of like that, though. I can read really good now. It's better. I can see my screen. Praise the Lord. We're transformed by faith. What I mean by that, it's the lifetime journey of, of God working all things together for our good and His glory. All the pain and the pleasure we go through the mountains we climb, the valleys we descend into, you know, it's all by faith. We won't get our life changed without faith. And then God meets our every need in our life by faith. I mean, some people have to pray for food around this country. We're, we're so blessed in America, we don't understand that so much. But every Thursday, we feed hungry people right here in Louisville, Kentucky that don't have anything to eat. You know, God meets our every need by faith. This church was birthed by faith. You know, there was a board of directors, an initial board of directors that met right here on these steps before this church was remodeled, when it had mold in it. It, it was all messed up in so many ways. And it was a huge project. If we were going to buy this church, it was going to cost a lot of money to get it redone. And we're trying to make a decision. And the word of God came through Sister Fern Nelson right here. Amen. And what it did was it gave the board of directors faith. We knew what God had spoken. If God wants us to, to buy this building and bite this project off and take it on, then bless God we could do it, no problem. Because you don't go by what you see. If we, if we had just looked at the mold, we might have run from the thing. If we had looked with our natural eyes. But we didn't look with our natural eyes. We looked with our spiritual eyes. We heard the voice of the Lord. And we knew this is what God wants to buy this building. So that's return church was birthed on faith. The whole journey's been faith. You're on a journey of faith, whether you realize it or not. Maybe after this sermon, you'll start analyzing it more in your life, all the decisions you make that are based on faith. The Bible says in Romans 1:17, For in the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. So we live by faith. We walk by faith and not by sight. And, and all the, our relationship with God is built on faith. 
In fact, you can't please God without faith. There's a verse here in Hebrews 11:6, but without faith it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. Now, our very purpose in life is to please God. You know, our, our church forefathers said in, the, in, the, in those famous documents many years ago, the chief end of man is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. I could shorten that and say, really, the purpose of our life is to please God. The famous passage in Revelation 4.11, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for Thou hast created all things, and for Thy pleasure they are and were created. So we're here not for our own selfish pleasure every day when we wake up, but we're here to please the Lord. And my one desire is I want to please him. I want to get to heaven. I want him to look at me and say, well done, my son. You know, you've pleased me with your life. Well, the only way I'm going to please him is by faith. Not by my good works. Not, not, it's not so much about what I do. It's about what I believe. And uh, because what I believe will determine what I do. So to please God, it takes faith. It's impossible to please God without faith. That's, a, that's amazing. Now, Hebrews 11.1 1 kind of describes faith, at least in its operation, not so much in its essence, but in its operation. It says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So faith has substance to it. It's more than just believing in knowledge. It's more than a doctrinal belief system. You could grab our articles of faith. We have copies of them in the office. Or you can look on the webpage, returnchurch.org, and go to our beliefs. And you could read all of that and agree with it and say, I believe it. And live your life like a devil and die and go to hell one day. See, it takes more than just, it's more than just grabbing some knowledge or some facts and hanging on to it with the belief system. It's, it's living out our belief in the truth. What real biblical faith is, Bible faith, is, is, is living it out. Uh, see, James 2.19 says, you believe there's one God, you do well. Even the demons believe and tremble. The devil believes in Jesus. He faced him all the time. He was running devils out of people this whole time in his work on earth. The devils believe and tremble. So it's not just enough with your head to say, I believe in Jesus. It's not just enough to say, I believe in articles of faith. Or you can carry that Bible around and tell people you believe that if you want to. But if you're living like a devil, beloved one, I, I question whether you really have real biblical faith or not. I wrote this comment here on the bottom. It says, Christian faith is not so much what you say you believe, but rather how you behave in a consistent manner. Why? Because faith has substance to it. Faith is, is, has substance. In Hebrews 11.1, 1, then it says, the evidence of things not seen. Faith is a substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Sister Shannon was talking about she wanted her life to be evident of a relationship with Jesus. She was saying that this morning. Let me ask you this. If you were arrested Let's say the law has changed in our country and it becomes illegal to become a Christian. If someone arrested you for being a Christian, would there be enough evidence to convict you? Or would there be conflicting evidence showing that you're not a Christian? 
I mean, th think about it. What if it was all on the line and they hired a prosecutor to come after you and they had all your knowledge of all your secret things you do and, and all, they, they had volumes of evidence? Would it convict you for being a Christian or would they say, no, you don't have to worry about this guy? <laughs> faith has substance and faith has evidence. There's, there's evidence in your life. If you say you have faith, loved one, have no evidence of it, I question your faith. Faith produces evidence. Hebrews 11.1, 1, faith is a substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Again, that's a statement of what faith is in operation, not what it is in essence. Thomas Kempis was often, had a famous quote. He said, I'd rather exercise faith than know the definition of it. You know, Hebrews 11.1 1 doesn't really give us a definition, but it, but it tells us what it is in operation, the way it works. Let's go to the root word to try to find a definition. You go to the root of faith is amen. Aman in Hebrew. It means faith, means to believe, to trust, to build up, to support. It means assurance, to be true, to be certain, sure, steadfast, to be firm, to be faithful. So what faith is is really believing the truth. Real biblical faith, Christian faith, the kind of faith that you read about in Romans and in Hebrews and in Galatians, the kind of faith that Paul wrote about, beloved one, is, is not believing in some fairy tale. Uh, my comment here, you can believe in Santa all you want, but that's not going to make a fat guy in a red suit with reindeer show up on Christmas Eve. It's not going to happen. The Muslims, they can believe all they want that they can go put a suicide bomb on them and go kill Christians or Jews in a suicide attempt, and they think they're going to have this glorious, heavenly, blissful existence from now on. Well, no, they're going to die and go to hell, but they don't know that because they, they call it faith. That's not even faith. That's foolishness. It's foolish to believe in Santa. The kids aren't in the room. I can say that, all right? <laughs> Some of y'all look at me like, oh, he's blasphemous. Don't talk about Santa. I don't like Santa anyway. He takes, <laughs> he takes away from the whole meaning of Christmas. But it's foolish to be a suicide bomber as well. There are many things. I, see, I understand this because I've believed the wrong thing before. And if you put faith in a lie, it can mess you up in a hurry. It's very dangerous. So what real biblical faith is, is reckoning upon reality. Not reckoning upon a lie, or not, not reaching into the invisible prom promise and find out that you're reaching in into a lie. But one real biblical faith is reaching into the invisible promises of God's word and finding the truth and reckoning upon reality. You got, the object of your faith is of paramount importance. It's very, very important to have the object of your faith to be correct. See, if your object of your faith is Jesus, you know, you can take a lot of assurance in that, a lot of comfort in that. He is the truth. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man come to the Father except through me. So it's important to put your trust in him. But a lot of times we put our trust in our visible self more than the invisible God. Because you know yourself and you 
You rely on yourself, and that's where self-confidence comes from, self-assurance comes from, self-righteousness comes from. If you're not careful, you will lean on yourself instead of leaning on him because you're visible and he's invisible. It's easier to see and understand what you can see with your eyes, but your natural eyes become an enemy almost of faith. Your carnal senses are an enemy of faith because they'll, they'll make you want to go on your feelings instead of what God says. You can't just trust your feelings. You've got to trust what God's Word says. I woke up with this horrible crick in my neck. I mean, I've been in pain. I didn't sleep good last night. I had got here. I had three, three people prayed for me this morning. I don't even feel any pain right now. But, but, that, but if I just went by my feelings... I would say, oh, woe is me. Get me a recliner up here and let me sit down and see if I can teach y'all. Because I was miserable when I came to church. I mean, I was hurting so bad. But, you know, I'm not going by my feelings. I'm going by faith. God said I'm healed, so I'm healed. Amen. Believe. This is a verse, two verses everybody ought to memorize in the church. John 6, 28, 29. Then they said to him, this is his disciples, what shall we do that we may work the works of God? And Jesus answered and said unto them, this is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he sent. You want to do a great work for God? Put your faith in Jesus. You want to do something fantastic in the world? Believe in him whom God the Father had sent. It's powerful. Faith is a gift from God. This is important. I'm, I just want to dive into the subject so we understand what it is, you know, where it comes from, how, how it grows, and how to exercise it. Just so we're trying to look at this. So it, it, initially, it's a gift from God. Romans 12, 3, For I say, through the grace given to me, to everyone who's among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. So that means every Christian has a measure of faith. And you shouldn't compare your faith with someone else's faith because God may have given someone else a different measure than he gave you. And that's why he's saying think soberly, don't think yourself as a big shot. You know, if, if you've got more faith than your neighbor, it's probably just because God gave you a greater measure of it in the beginning. So don't walk around proud or with your nose stuck up in the air because you think you got more faith than so-and-so. The Bible says much, too much is given, much is required. So there's a lot of responsibility if you've got a greater measure. But we all, you say, well, I, people come to me sometimes and say, Pastor, pray that I'll have faith. And I say, are you a believer? Yeah. Well, you already got faith. God's already given you a measure of faith. You've got that God-like faith, that Bible faith I'm talking about. You've already got it if you're a Christian. If you've been born again, God initially gave you a measure of faith. It's miraculous, but that's how we get saved. Ephesians 2, 8, 9, For by grace you've been saved through faith. And that not of yourselves, it's the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. So we get saved by faith. It's a gift from God. It's miraculous. Our hearts are so corrupt, we couldn't even get saved unless God put the faith in us that we could believe and we could receive. 
That's what's so great about a born-again experience. The whole thing's miraculous. We've got a brand new birth. God comes down amazingly and regenerates us and, and gives us a new spirit. And our spirit gets fused with his spirit as we become born again. And we get an eye of faith in our spirit that we can see and believe and receive. Everybody, every Christian has been given a measure of faith. It's a gift from God. So how do we get more faith? We've been given a gift of it initially. Well, the Bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. That's how you get more faith. You feed on the Word of God. Now, feeding on man's theories won't do you a bit of good in the world. And a lot of people have been going to church all their lives feeding on man's theories. All that's going to do is produce more doubt and unbelief in a time of crisis. But when you feed on the Word of God itself, loved one, it produces faith. It, it, your faith will grow and grow stronger and stronger and stronger the more you feed on God's Word. The Bible says, by faith, Hebrews 11:3, by faith, we understand that the entire universe was formed at God's command, that what we now see did not come from anything that can be seen. That's NLT. It's a little easier translation to understand. But how did God create the world? By faith, he spake it into existence. He just spoke it, and billions of stars were stretched out into the universe. He just spoke it into existence, and the lands and the mountains and the seas were formed. Fish were filled. Uh, the sea was filled with fish and mammals on the land and birds and fowls of the air and all the insects, and all the miraculous things he did. That's just on planet Earth. But he created billions and billions of other planets and stars and solar systems and galaxies. He spake it all into existence. God said it, and it was. So my, my point is, you want to know how you get faith? Have a little talk with Jesus one day. and Let it change your life. Just have a little talk with Jesus and let it change your life. He speaks it. His creative voice can speak into your life. You can be all down and discouraged and full of doubt and unbelief, and someone can come along and all of a sudden start speaking the Word of God to you, and it'll pour courage into you, and the darkness all of a sudden flees, and the lights come on again, and you can believe again, and you think, how in the world did I get in such a mess? Now I can see again. And you can withdraw from that person, withdraw from church, withdraw from Christian fellowship, start withdrawing from your Bible, not going to the Word of God every day, and get right back in a mess like that. I, I know I'm a pastor. I understand how to, people can go down with unbelief. Are you following what I'm saying? You want more faith? You want your faith stronger? You want it to grow? Then get into the Word of God. Feed on God's Word and watch your faith grow. Now, man's theories, again, won't produce faith. You get all discouraged. Sometimes you think, well, I've been studying. I've been reading. Yeah, the wrong thing. <laughs> been listening to the wrong preacher. I mean, this, is, this can have a big influence on your life and you not even realize it. I know. I've been there. I'm so cautious now in what I listen to or who I read. You know, I'm just cautious. I'm not saying... Don't read those books or listen to those sermons. There's, some, there's hundreds of fantastic preachers out there. They're all over the place, but there's hundreds of, of wolves in sheep's clothing also that get you the wrong way. So it's just like going to a buffet just because it's food doesn't mean you should eat it. 
doubt and unbelief. How do we lose faith? Well, our faith to get tried or tested like it says in Hebrews, I mean, 1 Peter 1, 7. When your faith is, when you're in the fire and your faith is being tried like gold, tested like gold in the fire, do you still believe? Do you question God when things get tough? Are you going by your feelings or are you going by faith in God's word? The disciples all questioned God at the cross. Right before the cross, just a few hours before the cross, at the Lord's Supper, he's washing their feet and having the Lord's Supper with them. They all seem to have faith. Of course, that's when Judas left to go betray him. But just a few hours later, at Gethsemane, when they arrested Jesus, they fled. At the cross, they were nowhere to be found. John was there with his mother, uh, his new mother. Jesus gave Mary to John and told her to take care of him. But it was one to resurrection morning when the disciples finally had faith again. They lost their faith for a season. And doubt in Thomas, remember what he said? He said, I'm not going to believe unless I can stick my hand in his wounds or stick my hand in the wound in his side. I won't believe unless I'll see it with my own eyes. Jesus said, that's great, Thomas, but it's more blessed for those that have not seen and yet believe. So faith is not walking by sight. It's walking into the invisible promises of God's word and pulling out a visible. But faith, you've been given a measure of faith, but your faith can be little faith or great faith depending on what you do with it. If you let it grow and exercise it, it can be great faith. Remember when Jesus uh, talked to the centurion about healing his daughter, I think it was? And the centurion, Jesus said, well, I'll come to your house. He said, you don't even need to come to my house. I'm a man understanding authority. I have people underneath me. When I speak the word, they do this and do that. All you got to do is speak the word. You don't have to come to my house. Jesus said, I hadn't found so great a faith in all of Israel. But then there was little faith when Peter walking on the water. He had faith for a moment, did he not? Yeah. Walking on the water. I've never walked on the water. I'd love to do something like that. That'd be the coolest thing in the world. Peter's walking on the water. I'd say he had great faith for, for a second. And then he looked at the wind and looked at the waves and looked, at, looked down instead of looking at Jesus, and he started sinking. And he said, Lord, save me. Jesus reached out and grabbed him and saved him. And Jesus said, you remember what he said to him? Ye of little faith, little bitty faith, little bitty faith, Peter. What happened here? Well, it was the trial. I love the story in Mark 9, 23 about the guy comes up to Jesus. Jesus said, if you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. Immediately, the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. Amen. Now, there's a guy in touch with reality. See, if we can only see that, yeah, we have faith enough to believe God for some things, but other things is a little harder for us. So I still got some unbelief I got to work on. I didn't get an amen on that. Amen. Why did the children of Israel not enter Canaan's land? One word. Unbelief. Unbelief. They murmured and complained. The whole way, and the Bible said they couldn't enter into the rest of God because of unbelief. 
So we see they could not enter in because of unbelief. Hebrews 3.19. Unbelief. It's very real. Little faith. I gave you the story about Peter there. But you need to understand, faith begins as a grain of mustard seed. Like, just like the word coming and growing in your heart, faith is the same concept. It, we all are given a measure of it, but it all starts out like a little seed, and it must grow. Faith wants to grow in our life. Now, there's, very, there's a few analogies in the Bible about faith, and I think to ignore them is to ignore what God's trying to teach us. Different metaphors trying to describe faith. In one place here in Acts 14.27, faith's called a door. When they'd come and gathered the church together, they reported all that God had done with them, that he'd opened the door of faith to the Gentiles. So when you look at faith like a door, you realize it's something you got to exercise or you got to take action with. you got to move from this side of the door through the door, through the door. You need to exercise your faith every day. Uh, it's the door between the visible and the invisible, between the natural and the spiritual. It's reaching into the invisible promises of God's Word and pulling out a visible manifestation. It's reckoning upon reality. Faith needs to be exercised. This is a choice you make. You can, you can say you have faith and go all day long, never exercise your faith at any time. You say, for what? For everything. You need to believe God for your whole life. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not into your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he shall direct that path. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Give, not, don't go by your own mind or your own senses or what you see, or what you feel. So many people say, well, I don't feel good. That's got nothing to do with your faith or not. If you've got faith and exercise in faith, you can get up above your don't feel goods and still have the victory. Amen. It's also a shield. Above all, taking the shield of faith, which you bear to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. Ephesians 6.16. To believe the truth, you must by faith reject all the lies of the enemy that he throws at you continually. So when I think of faith as a shield, that's a whole different thought than as a door. As a shield means I need to protect my heart and my mind. How do I do that with faith? Why do I need it? Because the enemy's going to tell me lies all day long. Tell me lies about God. Tell me lies about myself. He's going to tell me, get me to view myself different than the way God views me. He's going to get me to view God different than the way he is. And if I'm not, if you can just listen to a friend on the phone spreading gossip. And, and you wonder when you get off the phone why you feel down. Why you're out of juice? Why all of a sudden, you know, you're not so happy as you were? Well, that you just let someone pour into you a garbage truck full of junk that you shouldn't have listened to. You need your shield up. You need your shield of faith up. You don't need to listen to stuff that's not right. Amen. Amen. Faith's also a fruit. I could argue that faith's a horse, Job 39. But that's a, that's a debate we have later. It really doesn't say he's a horse. It just describes what strength's all about. Again, that can be good or bad because if you're not careful, you get things your strength, and that produces self-confidence, self-assurance, self-reliance, self-righteousness. 
But faith is in his, he's, all, he's our strength. Jesus Christ himself is our strength. So faith's a door, faith's a shield. The Bible also said faith is fruit. Galatians 5.22, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness. See this? Faith, meekness, and temperance. Well, how can it be a fruit? It's because this is something that grows. Again, God gives us a measure of faith to begin with, but then as we feed on the Word of God, the, the fruit grows in our life. And as you yield to the Holy Spirit and feed upon God's Word, then faith grows in your life. You'll have faith hanging off your tree. So when some poor soul comes along full of unbelief and doubt, all they got to do is reach in and eat off your tree. And now they got faith. You shared your faith. Whoa. All right. Y'all see that? You shared. That's how you share your faith with people. So important to share your faith. Scotty's been sharing his faith over at Portland on Thursday. He's been He's so good at talking to those folks over there. I just wind him up and let him go again. Amen. <laughs> He's helping us out in a big, big way. Y'all pray for Brother Ted, too. Brother Ted's been really, is he here today? Probably not. He, he's just been under a mighty hand of, of affliction and, and, and pain and suffering. And keep him in your, in your prayers. God's doing something special in his life, and he's a special servant to the Lord. Yeah. And we've been missing him over there in Portland. So, All right, faith grows. 2 Thessalonians 1.3 expresses that completely. It says, we're bound to thank God always for you, brethren, as it is fitting because your faith grows exceedingly and the love of every one of you abounds toward each other. I'd love to write a letter to return church like that one day and, and have that to say about you guys. That your faith, I got word that your faith grows exceedingly and that you guys love each other so much. It's just amazing. Amen. And then there's the, a gift of faith. And I want, I want to say this. This is important. Try not to get confused. There's gifts of the Spirit. Pastor Chad's been talking about them a lot in the last several weeks. And one, one of the gifts of the Spirit speaking in tongues and there's another gift, an interpretation of tongues. Now, very few people have that gift. But, but every Christian that's been baptized in the Holy Ghost has uh, their own personal prayer language of speaking in tongues. Anybody that's been baptized in the Holy Spirit, you know, eventually will speak in tongues. God gives us that. But that doesn't mean you have the gift of tongues that's expressed in 1 Corinthians, the 12th chapter, or the interpretation of tongues. That's something for the body of Christ. Only a few have that kind of tongue where they give a tongue for the body and interpretation and encourages the whole body. Well, when Paul's talking about the gift of faith, he's talking about the same kind of thing, that we've all been given a measure of faith, but there's always somebody in the body of Christ that has a gift of faith that's for the body. That is far beyond, and if you have that gift, don't walk around with your nose in there thinking you're so much holier than everybody else. God just gave you a gift, and you're supposed to use it to encourage the rest of the body here. So when you look at 1 Corinthians 12, it talks about the, the different gifts of the Spirit, word of wisdom to one spirit, to another word of knowledge to the same spirit, to another faith by the same spirit, to another gifts of healing by the same spirit. So this gift of faith 
is different. In fact, Brother Chad said in a recent sermon, he thinks he has the gift of faith. And the more I get around him, the more I agree with that. He's got amazing faith. He's, he's ready to tackle anything. He, and, but, he, but it's a gift, and he understands that's the gift of faith. You may have a gift of faith, and if you do, you need to use it for to encourage the whole body. When people are discouraged or full of unbelief, you, you share your faith with them and, and build them up. So that's a different kind of faith. The kind of faith you see in 1 Corinthians 12, 4 through 9, is the gift of faith for the body of Christ. Are you all following that? And you go to Hebrews 11, you get the hall of faith and all the different Bible characters. The Bible said Enoch, you know, walked with God so much, pleased God so much that God just took him. And he said it was by faith that that happened. Then he talks in verse 7 about Noah. He said, by faith, Noah, being divinely warned of these things, not seen, moved with godly fear, prepared an ark for the saving of his household, by which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness, which is according to faith. Do you have faith enough to be obedient to God for the rest of your life with what he's called you to do? Noah had a job that took over 100 years, did it not? Amen. Am I right there? I think I am. And he did it with no following. He had his wife and his three sons and their wives, so he had eight of them. And only eight humans got on the boat. Everybody else thought Noah was crazy. Amen. They thought he was an insane man. He spent 100 years building a boat, filled it full of animals, and then he and his family got on the boat, and there's never dr been a drop of rain ever in the history of the world. All the moisture from that time had come from the dew, from the ground. It never had a rain. So all the heathen out there watching Noah, they just think, this is a crazy man. He's lost his mind. For 100 years, he builds a boat. You know, all the animals get on the boat with him. It still hadn't rained. The doors closed. It still hadn't rained. And then finally, the rain starts, and Noah saves, and his household save planet Earth. It, it, you're here because of Noah. All the animals are here because of Noah. Faith. It took a lot of faith to live the kind of life Noah lived. Do you have that kind of faith to be obedient to God no matter what he's called you to do? By faith, Abraham obeyed when he's called to go out to the place which he received as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. By faith, he dwelt in the land of promise as in a foreign country, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. For he, wa he waited for the city which has foundations, whose builder and maker is God. Abraham was looking for the new city, the invisible new city. How many of y'all are so in love with this world that you don't even get your mind on the new city to come? Beloved one, we, we got a mansion waiting for us in a place with a golden street and a river of life and the tree of life. And the beauty of it is going to be more amazing than anything we've ever seen here on earth. We get sad thinking about dying. We ought to be happy thinking about dying. I know you don't want to leave your family and your loved ones behind, but man, when we get called home, it's going to be a glorious thing. Abraham was the father of faith. Amen. And the reason Abraham could live in tents and didn't have to know where he was going because he was looking for a city which had foundations, whose builder and maker is God. Abraham had faith like nobody else. Moses had faith. It says, by faith, Moses, when he became of age, refused to be called the 
son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than enjoy the passing pleasures of sin, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures of Egypt. For he looked to the reward. By faith he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured it as seeing him who is invisible. Do you have faith enough to choose suffering over the pleasures of sin? Faith. The most famous verse in the Bible is John 3, 16. Chad alluded to this last Sunday. I just want to drag it back over so y'all can see it. Two verses prior to John 3, 16 is John 3, 14. It says, As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. I want to go back to that story in the wilderness. I'll just tell it real quick. The children of Israel were discouraged because of the way, the Bible said. The way discouraged them. Have you ever gotten discouraged just because of the way? And so what they did, they started complaining. They went to Moses and said, they complained against, they spoke against God and Moses, it says. They said, why have you brought us out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? There's no food and water. That was a lie. But they said, there's no food and there's no water. And our soul loathes or hates this worthless bread. God was feeding them supernaturally every day with manna from on high. And they were complaining, saying they hate it. It's worthless. They loathe it. So the Lord sent fiery serpents among the people. And they bit the people. And many of the people of Israel died. Now that's just an amazing thing when you think about the God of the Old Testament versus the God we understand today. I am so glad I didn't live back then. I'm so scared of the snake. (laughs) Snakes were everywhere, and they were biting the people, and the people were dying. So I'd say they had a major crisis on their hands. So then the people came to Moses and said, We've sinned, for we've spoken against the Lord and against you. Pray the Lord they take away the serpents from us. So Moses prayed for the people. Then the Lord said to Moses, Make a fiery serpent and set it on a pole, and it shall be that everyone who is bitten, when he looks at it, shall live. So Moses made a bronze serpent, put it on a pole. So I don't have a good bronze serpent here. Here we go. This one's perfect. All the people had the snake issue. They got bitten by snakes. Some of them died. Some of them hadn't died. They're all sick. They're the crisis. Now they finally repented their heart, and God told Moses to make a brazen serpent and put it on a pole and hold it up. And the people walked by, and as they walked by and looked up at it, they lived. They looked and lived. This is the thing looking and believing. This is what the essence of faith is. A.W. Tozer said, faith is the gaze of a soul upon a saving God. Now let's read John 3.16 in light of that story now. As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Believing and looking are synonymous. This is what faith really is. The essence of faith is looking at Jesus, looking at him, getting your eye squared upon him, single upon him.
Do y'all see that? Again, Tozer said, faith is the gaze of a soul upon a saving God. Look at these scriptures here about looking. Psalms 34, 5. They looked unto him and were lightened, and their faces were not ashamed. Just looking at him lit up their face. Have you been in the presence of someone that's close with the Lord and they're sharing their faith with you and you walk away from there and you feel like you're illuminated and you're shining now and you're happy now? Psalms 123, verse 1 and 2, Unto thee do, unto thee lift I up mine eyes, O thou that dwellest in the heavens. Behold, as the eyes of a servant look into the hand of their master's, as the eyes of a maiden under the hand of her mistress. So our eyes wait upon the Lord our God until that he have mercy upon us. And then finally in Hebrews 12, 2, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of what? Our faith. Jesus. Looking, looking, believing, looking. The object of our faith. The object, faith is occupied upon the object in which it rests. When we're looking at God, we don't even see ourselves. And when you're, you're struggling in life and you're seeing yourself all the time and you're all stressed out because you, you see your inadequacies or your mistakes or your flaws, you just, if you'll get your eyes on Jesus and look him square in the face, you won't even see yourself. You get so enthralled at looking upon him that you're, your, your problems become real small in a hurry. Beloved, this is what faith is. It's, it's looking at him, getting a single eye upon Jesus. Now, if you're falling off a cliff, you want strong arms and a weak branch, or you want weak arms and a strong tree? Let's think about that for a minute. You're about to jump off a big cliff, and there's this one little bitty, one little twig of a branch on the side of the cliff. And you're a muscle man. You've been lifting weights, and you're as strong as they come. Well, when you're falling off and you grab that twig, no matter how strong you are, you might be in trouble. Amen. Right? That twig comes out of the ground. Or had you rather have a big giant tree sticking out where you could kind of just wrap your arms and your legs and everything around it? See, I'd rather have the weak arms and a strong tree. In other words, I may have just a little faith, but if I got a really big Jesus to hang on to, and I don't have to worry about anything. <laughs> so the object of your faith is more important. And don't forget, faith is reckoning upon reality. We've got to believe in the truth. When you're hanging on to Jesus, he is the truth. He's, everything he says is true. You, you can be assured and certain because he's the truth. The object of your faith is truth. And to believe any lie will put you into bondage. All right, I've got to hurry, and I'm almost finished right here. But pressing and touching faith. I just want to mention the woman with the issue of blood for 12 years. She's gone to every doctor and spent all the money she had, and she just grew worse and worse. But the Bible says when she heard that Jesus came in the press, New King James, in the press, Jesus had this big crowd of people around him, his disciples all around him walking through the big crowd, and this lady had been suffering for 12 years, and word's been out about Jesus been healing people. And she had hope built up in her heart. So she came to Jesus, and she saw there was no way to get near him because of this big crowd. So she gets down on her hands and knees, 
and crawls and pushes her way, desperately pushes and pushes and pushes until she could just touch the very hem of his garment. As soon as she touched the hem of his garment, she was healed. What was so powerful about that? The object of her faith. She, she understood it wasn't just touching somebody. It was touching Jesus. It was touching Jesus. The object of your faith. Jesus said, daughter, thy faith hath made thee whole. Go in peace and be whole of thy plague. And to close, I want to just read you the faith verse of all verses. Jesus answered and said unto them, you can't teach on faith unless you teach Mark eleven twenty. Three. Jesus answered and said to them, Have faith in God. For surely I say to you, Whoever says to this mountain, Be thou removed and be cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, he will have whatsoever he says. Therefore I say to you, Whatsoever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. You see that? You got to believe. A lot of times people have trouble believing for a healing. It's because they got doubt in their mind. And the doubt in their mind overrules their heart and they have trouble believing with their heart. You could, you could receive a healing a lot easier if you get the doubt. Now I don't have time to teach on healing. It's 22 after and I can't go there right now. We'll deal with healing later. But God still does heal. Amen. God's a healing God. But to not take this out of context, I always read the next two verses in Mark 11, 25, 26. Whenever you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, forgive him, that your Father in heaven may also forgive you your trespasses. But if you do not forgive, neither will your Father in heaven forgive you of your trespasses. So what kind of mountains he talking about? A mountain of unforgiveness. But beloved one, you say, well, I've been struggling with unforgiveness and that person did me wrong and I just can't get over that. Oh, yes, you can. You can speak to the mountain. You speak to the mountain, it'll be cast into the sea of forgetfulness forever. A Christian can't walk with unforgiveness. You walk with unforgiveness, God's going to unforgive you. I don't think I said that just right, but that's exactly what you're... It says, if you don't forgive, neither will your Father in heaven forgive you of your trespasses. Pretty serious stuff. All right, in closing, my last slide. Nevertheless, I'm not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. Isn't that beautiful? 2 Timothy 1.12. Saving faith is putting 100% of your faith in Jesus Christ as Savior. If you put 90% in Jesus and 10% on what you can do on your own without him, you're missing the mark completely. Completely. You can't rely on yourself to be saved at all. It's 100% what Jesus did. Religion is about what you do. Faith, this real biblical kind of faith we're talking about today, is about what Jesus has already done. You put your faith in what he's already done. When he yelled at the cross, it is finished, he meant the redemptive work is done. You can't improve upon this at all. He did it for you 2,000 years ago. So you put your faith in him and you can be saved. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Faith produces rest in the finished work of God.
When I say the finished work of God, I mean it's done. Jesus Christ has finished. Are y'all following that? Yes. Praise the Lord. Give the Lord a hand clap for blessing and faith today. Amen. Why don't we stand? We'll be dismissed. Don't forget, we have an offering box at the back door. Our church has been so faithful to give offerings. We never have missed a bank note here at this church. All our bills are paid on time because we've got such faithful people. Amen. It takes faith to give. Amen. You pay your tithes and offerings, it takes faith. God's Word asks you to do it, so you do it on faith. You, gotta, you exercise your faith a lot more than you realize it all day long. You, you putting your trust in something. Every time you go through a red light, you're trusting somebody or something. <laughs> I let Liz drive me to church today. That took great faith. <laughs> great faith. I was a nervous wreck. I just closed my eyes and praying the Holy Ghost all the way over here. <laughs> the only way to get here on time. <laughs> let's, let's pray. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, thank you for giving us all faith. And Lord, help us not to take this matter lightly, but help us to become aware of it, that we'd go to your word and feed on your word and our faith would grow. We want great faith, Lord God. We want strong faith that we might trust you with everything about our life, that we'd put all our confidence in you, Jesus, for every aspect of our life. Does the clay complain to the potter about how he shapes it? Lord, who are we to complain about how you shape our life and transform our life? Lord, give us the faith to trust you with the, the very shaping of our life. Give us the faith to trust you, Lord, with our health, with our finances, with the natural parts of life. But Lord, most of all, give us the faith to trust you as you make us more like Jesus. Lord, bless this church. Bless Pastor Chad as he's away and his family. I just pray they'll come back full of fire and full of <clears throat> strength and full of faith, Lord God, that he could climb the mountains you want him to climb and traverse the valleys you want him to traverse. Lord, just bless that family. Bless this church, Lord God. I just pray for return church that you pour your blessings out on every member of this church, that we would have a living faith, a, a, a real faith, a biblical faith, a Christian faith, Lord God. We wouldn't walk by sight anymore, but we'd walk by faith, putting our trust in you, Jesus. Lord, grant this from the bottom of my heart. I pray for every person here today that you would grant them faith and let that faith grow. For it's in the precious